0: How do companies create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? The team at The Receptionist, a bootstrapped Denver-based software company, sets out to answer that very question. Welcome to The Fabric Podcast. You're listening to Part 3 of 5 of our Employee Supremacy Series with Michael Ashford and Andy Alsop. Well, Andy, we're back for episode three of this series that we're doing on employee supremacy versus shareholder supremacy. I don't know about you, but I'm not getting tired talking about this. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> I'm actually. I was going to tell everybody I am getting really kind of energized yeah. by this. So this is this, and this will be a fun one because we get into
0: a lot of the, I think, concrete differences between employee supremacy and shareholder supremacy. The first two episodes, we the first episode of this series, we introduced our just cause and a little bit of employee supremacy. Last episode, we talked about, uh, you know, just the the takeaways and moving from shareholder supremacy to employee supremacy and, and giving you a really good look at employee supremacy. This one, we're going to actually bring you some examples yep. and how it affects a company and how a company can still grow using the employee supremacy model. So let's start with, at the expense of feeling like we're bagging on people, and that's not the intent with this. Let's start with some examples of what shareholder supremacy looks like kind of in the wild that you have seen that have kind of, I'll use the phrase, caused your stomach to to turn a little bit. Back in episode two, you referenced better.com. But for those folks who haven't listened to that, bring us back up to speed on on better.com and maybe let's start there.
1: Yeah, okay, that sounds good. And I mean just a little bit of foundation too because there is a difference between employees and shareholder supremacy. And shareholder supremacy is just essentially where the 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 leaders of the company are focusing so incredibly it's all of their focus is the growth of the shareholder value and the the kind of nasty things that come out of that. Um and I have a couple of examples of it, but we talked about better.com And Better.com was preparing themselves to go for an IPO. And so there's actually a quote from the CFO of the company that said, and I'm I'm again paraphrasing here, but basically it was along the lines of, we just needed to shore up the balance sheet a little bit before we were actually going to go for the IPO. So what they did was they brought in, I think, and I could be wrong here, but I think it was $300 million. Uh, and put that on the balance sheet in terms of getting additional investment. So they, they looked like they had a healthy cash balance. And at the same time, within a week of that, cut off 900 employees. Over a Zoom call, mind you. Over a 15-minute <laughs> Zoom call. And they that is how – that no personal relationship with the employee or anything else. Just saying, sorry, we're, we're getting rid of you. At the same time, when we just brought in hundreds of millions of dollars, all to prepare for an IPO. That in and of itself is shareholder supremacy. It is basically saying, take everything off the table. We don't care about anybody but the shareholders. And we're going to make those decisions that are that are in that same vein. There's also one other uh, I was just thinking of, which was, I believe it's the Hilton uh, CEO. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, or actually at the beginning of the pandemic, and I, I am not going to minimize how difficult it was for the hotels, whether they're chains or individual hotels, that really hurt them. But what ended up happening was that the Hilton uh, ho- uh, the Hilton Hotels CEO, if I have that right, basically cut off, I think it was 30% of the f- workforce and reduced the salaries of the salaried employees about 60% and got a $30 million bonus for doing so. And that one was one that I just was like, wow, you know, that is shareholder supremacy at at its worst. That is the board saying you need to do whatever we have to do to decrease, you know, the cost and the expenses so we don't lose as much shareholder value. And if you do a good job at it, we're going to give you 30 million bucks. Imagine saying I've just destroyed the lives of half of my employees during one of the, the, the worst crises that we will ever see in our lifetime. So, those are a couple of examples.
0: Those are the things that you see on, uh, uh, certainly on social media, where people are just up in arms. Like, how does this make any sense? And if you're operating in a finite game, to use the language that we've we've talked about in this series so far from Simon Sinek's book, The Infinite Game, it is all about just meet that next that next marker, that next 90 day, get us to this point, make the balance sheet look as good, and in that world your employees become numbers on a balance sheet to use a cliche and it just man people to people who who are on the outside looking in in a lot of these instances it feels so
1: gross mm-hmm. it does it? yeah it does and it, it it it's sad because then you know we you, you always say this, you're spending 60 70% of your life at work right. right you are spending 60 70% of your life at a job or in a company that when maybe they'll go in front of the press or whatever and talk about how incredibly hard the employees work or whatever, but in the back room and the in the in the boardroom, that's not what they're saying. They're basically saying they're talking out of the and it sounds terrible, but for some companies this is the way it is. They're talking out of the other side of their their mouths, yeah. and they're saying no. These are the one they're dragging down our our shareholder value. They're costing us money, and that's the that you just think about. What that does to millions and millions and hundreds of millions of lives, when you take that perspective, it's toxic. It, it leads to decision making that sometimes you look back on and say, "What is that <laughs> really the decision you're going to make in this situation?" So it really has so many negative impacts, and that's what that's what really drives me and this whole idea of employee supremacy, because there's got to be a better way. And I don't know. I don't. I won't even say there's got to be a better way.
0: There is yes. a better way. Yeah. To use an example that I've I've seen recently, uh, I, I was on LinkedIn. One of my connections had just gotten a job at Meta, um, which is used to be Facebook. Now it's the kind of global organization. Uh, had had gotten a job there. Had even received the employee care package with their computer and all their swag that people always post on LinkedIn about. And they posted that the day that they were supposed to start, they got an email saying, "We're sorry, your position has been basically canceled or terminated because we weren't meeting expectations." Yeah, and that's and mind you, Facebook is one of the most valuable companies in the world, or Meta, or whatever you want to call it. They are one of the most valuable companies in the world. Their stock is higher than ever. Um, They they've gone through some dips here recently because of. Some of the political stuff that they've gotten themselves into trouble with, but you mean to tell me that (laughs) you you hired an entire and this person wasn't just the only one that got this email. Several people did. You mean to tell me that you can't you can't support that that group those groups of people that they hired? Like think of the ramifications of everything that is going on, and just not just that one person's life, Mm -hmm. but all the other people who got that same email who had quit their jobs thinking that they were going to start at meta that day who had perhaps moved right if if they weren't working a remote job maybe they needed to be in in a specific office just the ramifications of operating when oh my gosh my bonus is not going to be Thirty million. It's. I really wanted to be thirty-five million this year. So we gotta. We gotta get that extra five. Like, who's bringing in the money that makes that happen? Right. The people right. that you just let go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that is. And and what's crazy about it is there isn't the thought about like what are the ramifications of this decision I'm about to make. They're just employees. That's what. That's what's being said in the boardroom, right? And and I don't know. It almost sounds like we're making people out to be evil. I know there are people who are conflicted every day by these decisions because they're saying to themselves hopefully (laughs) they're saying to themselves that person your example your connection had gone to maybe you know his partner whatever his family said i'm going to make this change in our lives Mm -hmm. to go and change to another job it's going to be a little bit it's going to be a hassle but we're going to do it i'm excited about that position and then getting that email Mm -hmm. or that call or whatever it was saying you know that just you know probably hey sorry probably some sort of well message thing about, like <laughs> it's it's in the best interest of the company we have to do this we know yeah and in the end that person now has has to say whoa i just made an enormous change in my life and in the boardroom oh it's just an employee they'll get over it they'll figure it out mm. yeah
0: it's 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 maddening and and there are so many we could spend all day Mm -hmm. right? Talking about examples of this. But the the thing that I think is missing that is making so many people conflicted is because they don't think there is another way. But like you just said, Andy, there is. There is another way. And not only is there another way, it's a better way because it ultimately brings you back around to providing shareholder value. You just, come in a little bit circuitous mm-hmm. <laughs> fashion. Right. So let's talk, let's, let's jump over to the more positive stuff, the the examples of employee supremacy. I want to frame up the conversation that, you know, there are lots of companies that operate with these similar characteristics. We're going to give you a lot of examples here of what we've done here at the receptionist to kind of show you, Hey, as a bootstrapped company, these are the things that we've done, but I want to just maybe set the, the table with, um, you know, Dan price at gravity payments. Based in the Pacific Northwest, uh, happens to be a a customer of the receptionist, got a lot of attention for raising every employee's minimum wage or minimum salary up to $70,000. He took a pay cut. They've invested in employee health benefits. And he's posted over the last couple of years how employees have bought cars and they paid off student loans and credit card debt and they've had kids because of that move that they've made and that's that's an employee supremacy mindset is mm-hmm. it not
1: i think it is in fact the hilton example came from a a dan price uh Twitter okay. post, so <laughs> that's where i got that from and i remember reading that and just being like what yeah. but absolutely and we see this here we have employees i think we've had two or three employees buy houses just in the last three months or something yeah they're having families they're having you know they're they're being able to go and spend time with their, their families, if their parents, those things. The, the flexibility that you can offer people because you recognize that they are an asset to the company and that they're spending their days and their hours working for the company, and we are honored to have them do that, leaves them to be able to say, I'm going to go, I had two employees went back to the Midwest, I think it was a couple weeks ago, both of whom surprisingly had parents that had surgery. But they were yeah. there for their parents and they never missed a beat. I never saw us actually like missing a sale or not getting something done because they were part of a trusting environment where we said, go, that's important. That is number one is your family, you know, whether it's your immediate family with your kids or whether it's your parents or whatever else, you need to make time for that. And that's really hard. There goes the the conflict because if you're running under shareholder supremacy, you're saying. Now they just got to figure that stuff out. I know that they're, you know, their mother or father is getting surgery or whatever else, but they need to be here working 80 hours Buts a week. Butts in seat. Butts in <laughs> seats. And that's what's going to – and what do you get in terms of productivity out of that person? They're Not sitting there fuming saying, I've got to figure out how to get my parent taken care of. And they're probably ending up spending half of the energy that you want them – Working on your company, <laughs> focusing on how they're going to deal with their parent or whatever, and in the in the background, lying, hiding, and faking about what they're doing. Absolutely, it just it it just doesn't make sense. So we've got into you know some of these some of these yeah. examples that we've been able to. do. Should I just jump in? Yeah, now?
0: let's let's go in uh, and to to that point. I mean, Hannah on our customer experience team just took a trip mm-hmm. to Europe uh, using the vacation fund that we started during COVID. Explain the 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 build up of that where that came from
1: that's funny okay because i think (laughs) i think it was in the last episode we were talking about like the decisions we make at a leadership level and uh, what that's like but one of the problems that we have is when you have is you know we live in denver denver just like a lot of other cities expenses are getting very very high and Mm -hmm. so we have an unlimited vacation policy so our employees come to us and they say it's great we have an (laughs) unlimited vacation policy and you're telling me to go take a vacation but like you know, I'm I'm still kind of living paycheck to paycheck because it's expensive here. So, what we ended up deciding was, okay, well, if they don't have the money to be able to go on vacation, let's give that to them. So, again, we were in a leadership meeting. Said, let's do this. Complete concurrence. The <laughs> only thing that took us a little while is to figure out how to implement it. But
0: And, and how much. And how much. Yeah, exactly. And we – we went back and forth with that. We were like, uh, ah, is that enough? <laughs> I like, know, like, should <laughs> we maybe increase it a little right, bit? Right, <laughs> exactly.
1: And, you know, in, in future days, as we continue to succeed, because we are growing and yeah. everything else, we may increase that. Yeah. You yeah know, but yeah. but at this point, it is now this pot of money that every employee has after they've worked with a company for one year that they can use to go on a vacation. You just talked about Hannah. You know, that gave her the opportunity to say, I can go for a couple of weeks. Is it going to cover the whole trip? Probably not, but sure going to make a big dent in it. So she feels like she can get away. And when, when an employee gets the opportunity to get away and unplug and just kind of have experiences and, and go and do those things, they come back enriched and ready to rock and roll. So this kind of this, this idea of let's just burn the employees out. Let's make them work 80 hours a week. In the end, it's going to be, you know, uh, uh, you're going to end up losing what you're hoping for, which is that productivity.
0: It's the, uh, you know, people always say you need a vacation from the vacation. Right. When you get back from vacation, I don't know that we have that is I mean, true <laughs> maybe that is maybe that is true in some cases i haven 't asked every employee, but uh, you know when you have that freedom when you 're not worried about getting back so you can make the paycheck to pay off the vacation and and you have to get right back into this go 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 mentality and, and you know your boss is going to be mad that you even took a vacation. Yeah, you do feel like you need a vacation from the vacation because right.
1: half your vacation was spent stressing out over right. the vacation. Exactly. And you're getting like texts like, you know, I know you're on vacation right now, but uh-huh. I need you to do this. It's like that's not a vacation. That is not a vacation. We at we all. actually force our employees to like, shut off Slack exactly. It's remote work. Yeah, yeah, we we tell them if you're going to use this vacation fund, you got to shut off your email, got to shut down your computer, you you can't be on Slack. Because you already can't use your vacation fund, so we actually penalize them for not taking a vacation with a vacation <laughs> fund. So
0: now that that flows into the fact that we make we have unlimited vacation, but employees have to take two weeks off right. um, each year. So there's the vacation fund, and that was born out of COVID, mm-hmm. which is perhaps to some people listening unfathomable to think about that we use that money to help pay for people to travel home during COVID. Uh, at a time when, gosh, everything was kind of up in the air. No one knew what was happening, but I want to get to the ramifications of this. So let's roll through a few others that we've implemented and then let's talk about, okay, we still got to grow. So what does this mean? Right. Great. You guys are like kumbaya singing in the meadow, like I referenced on an earlier
1: episode, what does it mean? So run through a few others, Andy, and then let's sure. let's uh, talk about what this means. So one of the other things we did during COVID, we told, you know, we, we, we've had a summer policy where we had summer uh, days, you know, where during, during the summer, a lot of people wanted to kind of get out and enjoy the outdoors, go camping, that kind of thing. So we said that every other Friday, you could take off. And we did that. And then during COVID, we were like, Let's give people time to just, you know, this is a really stressful time. We have people who are holed up in their, you know, apartments. They don't have a roommate or anything else. And so we wanted to give them that opportunity. So we said, okay, let's start these. Uh, co- I think we called them COVID days. I can't remember not It wasn't COVID. They were called days. Summer
0: Fridays. Summer initially. Fridays.
1: Right. But we started them even before summer. We're like, yeah, okay, Summer true. Fridays starting early. Right. <laughs> and then we got to, I don't remember when it was, but I think it was the end of the summer. We said, why don't we just do this all the time? Yeah. So, we now have what are called Fabric Days. Fabric are our core values. So, this is the Fabric Fabric Podcast, fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative, and collaborative. So, we called them Fabric Days because we're always trying to reinforce our culture Mm -hmm. and our core values. And so, what we ended up doing was uh, instituting them all the time. So, now everybody gets to take every other Friday off. It's not an... uh, you know, a a, a 980 or something like that. It's just every every other Friday off. And we extended it and said, okay, if you want to do Mondays, so we spread them out a little bit. But a lot of people would say, wow, you know, what is the drag on performance that you have as a result of that? There isn't one. You actually get better performance as a result of it. You get more engaged employees. You get rested employees. You get employees who are doing things, and they might be doing things after hours and late at night, not because the boss told them to, because they want to, right. they're doing they're going the extra mile for their for the customer and and maybe spending time on the phone with them. Other companies might say, "Time is money. You need to spend only no more than three minutes for every call, and if you do any more than that, we're going to penalize you." They actually spend more time on on the phone with them. So there's all these like benefits that come out of it, and it goes to something you said, which is growth. We have to grow, and the way we grow is knowing that our employees are part of a trusting team who are going to continually do what's in the best interest of each other and in the customers. You know, you mentioned customer support right there and how so
0: many customer support organizations that I've been around have always been measured on time to close. Yep. You got to get it closed as fast as possible and how many tickets you're closing a day. We actually have instituted, and you've heard it on the podcast, the Turtle Police. We actually want you to slow down, like take your time that's that's a mental health benefit i think for our customer service team and also allowing them to process what they're hearing what they're working through so they can get a better answer back to the customer and make them happier right and that honestly is reflected in the fact that i'll be the marketer here since i am the marketing director <laughs> it's reflected in the fact that if you go to any review site g2 captera software advice we are consistently one of the highest rated, if not the highest rated by our customers, visitor management systems out there. Yep. Now, why would a customer go to one of those sites and write a positive review? Right. Because of the experience they had with the employee. not because and, and yes, maybe because they love the software and that we have great software. Dylan, our director of engineering and his team create incredible software. But more often than not, the impetus for that is, I had a great experience with that person or that team. And I'm gonna go tell the world about it. Other people have to know about this. One of our best sources of of uh, customers is referrals, yeah. word of mouth. People saying, "Hey, we implemented this. You gotta go check this out." And by the way, this team is funny. Like chat with them. They <laughs> they share gifts. They're they're personable. They're human. Yeah, you're talking with them over chat, but it's like you're talking with your best friend. Yeah. And, and that all just fuels growth. Where do you think a majority of deals start? It's a Google search. What's the best visitor management system? Guess who ranks at the top of those searches right. on those review sites? It all has an effect on growth.
1: Yeah, it does. Yep. It's like a circular effect. And that's the difference between shareholder and employee supremacy because you have shareholder supremacy. And I, I rail against them and I don't, I'm not afraid to talk about American Airlines. You know, oh, the, it is just the way they've set up their structure. They said, oh, yeah, you can cancel your flight now that COVID's in and everything. And they give you three different tiers that you get your flight credits in or your flight this or whatever. And it's just that <laughs> is not the best experience for the customer. I have to say of all the airlines, it's actually the worst. I mean, some of the other other airlines say, oh, you canceled your flight. Here's the travel credit, yeah. you know. But, you know, I know the employees don't want to sit there and have to explain the difference between a flight credit, a travel credit, and a voucher, which are the three <laughs> different ways you can get back from, get, get your money back from them. So, yeah. As we,
0: as we wrap up this episode and, and put a bow on this one, there's a larger trend, Andy, of, of the great resignation that we're going through in this moment in time. Um, you know, we're recording this in May of 2022. Uh, some of that discussion has tailed off a little bit. Um but again one of the highest cost centers for companies is hiring new employees. Talk about how operating under uh an employee supremacy model has actually benefited us from that standpoint because you bring this up a lot mm-hmm. as well, just the effect that it has had on our employee retention.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have had <clears throat> so far, I bought the company in April of twenty fifteen and in whatever that is seven yeah it's just over seven years we've had one employee leave the company voluntarily we have had to exit employees it happens It's part of it you know it's, you've got to have cultural fit you got to have people in the right seat and you know that kind of thing but every single employee who has come to the company with exception of one and that one we celebrated when he left uh ryan Ryan's an awesome guy. <laughs> Brian left and and went off and to do and is doing some great things and has just celebrated his four year anniversary of leading an iOS dev team or a mobile dev team. So proud of him. Mm. So we've only had one leave. Think about the tribal knowledge that you end up getting. That's institutional knowledge in the company where you get to keep all of that knowledge. So we've got you know Quinn who and and delin has been here you know for over six years now. He has all of that knowledge and and memory of why we made those decisions and everything else, so when you talk to a customer, it's not not you know an employee who's been there for three months trying to piece it all together, you actually get a good experience because people in the company have all the knowledge about what happened and why, and that has an impact on the great resignation side. I think it's important to note that people want to work for a company that care about them, mm-hmm. and as they learn as we post jobs and they learn about who we are what we're doing. They are doing everything they can to be in this company. They want to be here. And this is a time when hiring is really, really difficult. So we have employees who want to be part of this team because they, they see that they want to bring their talents to a company that isn't going to just look at them as a, just a maybe another item on the balance sheet that they actually are seen as a trusting member of the team.
0: I want some final thoughts from you on this, uh, this topic, and I'll set it up this way you have outlined both methods get growth shareholder supremacy you're going to have growth yep employee supremacy we think is a better way to achieve that growth but one feels much better than the other mm-hmm. one as you've said you sleep at night yep your employees sleep at night right i would just love your kind of final thoughts on this on this difference of yes both produce growth but how?
1: Well, what's interesting is that I have been an entrepreneur for you know a couple of decades plus, and I've had to run companies under shareholder supremacy, so I know the difference. I've been I've been doing it, and I've never been happy with the way it was when I was running it under shareholder supremacy. But under employee supremacy, I've felt as though it is such um such kind of a mind shift in terms of being able. To To do the right thing, right? <laughs> and that that's important is being able to do the right thing. And when you can do the right thing, that's when you sleep and that's when things really sort of come together. We only came to our just cause last, mm, what was it? It was probably in the first quarter of 2021. Employee supremacy was something that I coined only maybe seven, eight months ago, right. I think it was. So, this is a, a new concept, but I know in my heart, this is something that is going to have an impact on people's lives. And so that's why I want to bring these, this five part series and why we want to get this message out there so that the people who are starting companies, the Googles of tomorrow can think about it in this, this, fr- the fr- this frame of
0: mind going forward. Amazing. Amazing stuff, Andy. Uh, so next time on the fourth episode of this five-part series we're gonna we've been talking a lot about our ideas but we want to bring to you some actual examples from our team members they won't be on the podcast but we're going to talk about what our team has done uh the things that they've been able to produce the results that they've been able to produce because again all of this has to lead to growth right yeah yep. Uh, so that's what's in store for the fourth episode of this five-part series andy i appreciate it thanks as always that's been awesome thank you so much for listening to this episode of the fabric podcast if you wanna see a video version of the show, jump over to thereceptionist.com fabric, where you can watch video episodes of all of the content that we've put out on this podcast. You can see our bright, smiling faces, and you can see what our studio looks like as well. If you would like to give The Receptionist for iPad Visitor Management System a try in your office, jump over to thereceptionist.com slash free trial and sign up for a free trial, no credit card required, and give us a try. See what you think. Until next time, take care.